Children's Church, you can be dismissed at this time. As they make their way out, if you want to take a copy of God's Word today and make your way over to the book of Malachi, continuing our study in Malachi today. Malachi chapter 2. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 9. This actually finds itself in a bigger context. uh, To get this real thought captured here, it would flow um, from about 1-6, chapter 1, verse 6, on through, or 1-7 through 2-9. Again, sort of the thought that's being captured here. A couple of years ago, my uncle passed away. and. I was called by the family to come and do his funeral. And when I was meeting with the family, my uncle was a big fan of Elvis. Any Elvis fans in the room? I said, okay, a couple of Elvis fans, yeah. And um, so they were, we were kind of setting up the service and going through things. And, and uh, my aunt said, you know, he loved Elvis. Would, what do you think if maybe we played at the funeral uh, Elvis's version of my way. Now, you guys know Frank Sinatra made that hit. Uh, Paul Anka actually was part of the writing team. You may not have known that. A little trivia for you. But I didn't know this. I, I, I was preparing for this message that that is a, actually a popular, one of the most popular funeral songs. I, I didn't realize that. But I remember in the moment thinking through some of the lyrics of the song, because I, I, I have been known to do that when at karaoke. But anyway, Thinking through some of the lyrics, I thought, I don't know if that's a good funeral song. Now, I, I, I'm thinking that inside, but I just kind of tried to lovingly and say, we know, might there be some other songs? Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know if that would be the best uh, for the moment. But, um, and, and so they, they, they opted not to go with that. Didn't realize this, though. In an article from... You Discover Music, it reported that Frank Sinatra's recording of My Way spent longer on the UK singles chart than any other song. An amazing 124 weeks. That's almost twice as long, almost twice as long as its nearest rival almost twice as long as its nearest rival, you will be shocked to know what its nearest rival was. Amazing Grace by Judy Collins. Interesting, when you think about the two songs, and I invite you to go and look at the lyrics of both songs, they paint a very different picture, do they not? And especially when you find yourself at the end of the road, I don't know about you, I would rather hear Amazing Grace than I did it my way. Our sermon this morning is entitled, Your Way or Yahweh. Trust me, that's a lot better than the titles I went through in my mind, and you'll know why when we read this text today. Uh, There were a lot of other options for titles. Thank you, Lord, for helping me rethink these. Recap. What have we learned so far in Malachi? 
Well, we've answered two questions so far. Two questions we've already answered. Again, you know how this is unfolding. There's a statement that's made. Then the people respond back with a question and God gives the answer. God makes a statement through his prophet, Malachi. The people of Israel respond with a question and God gives the answer through his prophet. First question we answered was, God said, I've loved you. Israel says, how have you loved us? The answer, I chose you, I blessed you, I delivered you, I've protected you, and I've coveted with you. Now, he said that in a real simple statement. He said, Esau I've hated and Jacob I've loved. The second question, specifically, he turned his attention towards the leaders. He asked the priests and and begins to call them out, as well as the people later in that section. He asks the question, or he makes the statement, he says, you've despised my name. And the people responded with, or the priests responded with, how have we despised your name? The answer, you're presenting defiled food upon my altar. Today we're going to look at the third question, and actually it's almost a two-part of that question. That's why I say some say there's six, uh, others say there's seven in the way of of reflective questions. I, I believe there's seven, but I believe this one hits along the same theme. And today's question we're going to look at is, how have we defiled your name? Notice, if you would, just by way of recap and context, if you go back to chapter 1, you see again in verse 6, he says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests, who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. You remember they were bringing lame sacrifices, blind animals. They were bringing leftovers. They were bringing those things that had blemish. This was despising the very name of God. Because those sacrifices were to represent the coming Lamb of God, the pure and perfect, holy Son of God. And so by accepting, the priest accepting from the people, these lame, these blind, sickly sacrifices, it was actually an assault on the very character and nature of God. It was an attack on the gospel that would come, the good news of Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because if any old thing will do, then any old thing will do. So God was upset with the people of Israel. And so we see now in 2, 1 through 9, today's text. And again, the question, how have we defiled your name? The answer is, they've departed from the truth. 
I wonder today, church, if we'd be honest before a holy God, how many of us are departing from the truth? Instead of doing it God's way, we're doing it our way. Follow along, if you would, in today's reading in verses 1 through 9. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring, or your seed, and spread dung on your faces. Wow. The dung of your offerings. And you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you've turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Father, I pray for the preaching of your word today, that it would be truth from my lips, that it would be knowledge imparted from your word by the Holy Spirit to the heart of the listener. And so, Lord, I pray that you will allow me to be a clean vessel just used for your namesake, that your name would be honored. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. You can only imagine what some of the titles may have been. Um, I won't entertain you with too many of them. But I thought about using something like the poopit. But anyway, yeah. See, Zach's already saying, don't even go there. You're right, Zach. I'll move on. That's what my, my wife gave me the same when I ran those others by her. So here's your outline. If you're taking notes today, here's what we're going to be looking at. Hopefully, we'll get through some of these. Um, the first is the command to the priest. We're going to see that in verses 1 and 2. Then we're going to see the consequences, the consequence to the priest. Verse 3. Then we're going to look at the covenant to the priest, and that's in verses 4 to 9. 
So that's, that's the outline. That's where we're headed. We'll see how far we get today on this. So let's take a look at the first, the command to the priests. Notice if you would again, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. He's straightforward, right? Again, what was the responsibility of these priests? They were to offer sacrifices. What had they been doing? They had been offering blemish sacrifices. Now, we've talked about this in previous... Again, we, we understand we don't have priests that function today. However, the New Testament says we're all priests. We're all a royal a priesthood, a holy nation of priests. So we are all ambassadors, representatives of Christ. However, we don't present animal sacrifices. No, Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that we present our bodies, a living sacrifice. That is your reasonable act of worship to God today. We don't have to have these bloody sacrifices. We don't have to bring these, uh, these animals to shed their blood because the Lamb of God has shed His blood once and for all. It's finished. The work is done. Jesus Christ is our high priest. He has entered into the throne room of grace. He's gone past that veil into the Holy of Holies. He sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. So I guess you could kind of say if we were looking at some type of comparative and understanding from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we are in essence almost like a, the, the, not the high priest, but the priest, the, the lineage of Aaron or the Levites in that we are representatives of our faith. But specifically here in this context in the Old Testament time, the priests were still functioning, but they weren't functioning well been back in the land for a hundred years and yet the temple had been rebuilt the city was rebuilt and their sacrifices were taking place but they were not honorable sacrifices they were disgracing the name of God I think it's akin today to pulpits all around the world that are peddling a false gospel because again, what does this represent? What is God mad about? God is mad because any old thing will do. No. They were in direct violation of the revealed word of God. They were perverting the very truth that was recorded in Leviticus. And they knew this. They knew what the text said. This is what the priest's life was given to. He knew this. And they were willfully as we'll see in today's text, we've already read it, they were side-skirting it. They were showing partiality in their instruction. Well, we'll apply this to you, but not to you kind of attitude. And we looked at last week, those, those deceivers and those cheaters who had great, you know, uh, healthy lambs or, or, or sacrifices that, that could be offered, but they were offering the lame. And they were holding back, and they were lying, in essence. And the priests were kind of winking at it. They were failing in such a way. The command to the priests, again here in verse 2, was to hear. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not hear. They, they, they needed to hear the Word of God. They needed to hear what God was saying. And if you will not take it to heart... They needed to heed it. 
Guys, it's not enough to hear the Word of God each week. You come in here each week and we hear the Word of God. But are we heeding it? Are we taking it to heart? Is it transforming the way we live? Now, I didn't ask if you had achieved perfection. I didn't ask if somehow you had arrived. Guys, we're all under construction. We're at a different place in the race. Stop looking at each other and the shortcomings of those around you when they trip and stumble. And instead, put your eyes on Christ Jesus and run the race set before you. These priests were not listening. They weren't taking it to heart. Though the very word of God was clear, and they knew it. They were commanded to honor God's name. Notice if you would, again, the text. If you will not take it to heart, to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts. He says, they weren't honoring his name. Again, the, the idea of name is everything that's wrapped up. It's what it represents. You want a good study in the Old Testament, go through the Old Testament and look at how many times God does what he does and it says for his namesake, for his name. Because this isn't about me and you. This is about his name. His name's on the line. It's when he says, I've loved you. And they say, how have you loved us? He says, I've, I've loved Jacob. I hated Esau. In other words, I've kept my promise to you. The Edomites are going to be destroyed. I, I made that promise. Guess what? I made the promise through Abraham that your seed would be preserved. Your line would be preserved. There's coming a Messiah. Christ is the promise from Genesis 3, the, the, the seed of the woman. God keeps his word. Why? Because his name's on the line. God's a God of truth. By definition, he cannot lie. And so when he's given you his word, priest of the day, they were intentionally ignoring it, corrupting it, and in essence, peddling another gospel. And so I believe we've got the same thing happening today. You see the word faith movement. You see the prosperity gospel. You look at other things that try to line up under an umbrella of Christianity. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses. There's false gospels being presented. Any old sacrifice will do. Any old path, any old way. No, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a truth claim. It's not through some religious organization. It's not through some redefined terminology for the gospel's definitions are often changed in many of these organizations. Oh, you may think you're talking the same talk, but it's a different language. And the priests of Malachi's day were doing it their way instead of Yahweh, God's way. Notice the consequences of the priests. Verse 3. 
So they were, in, they were doing this. They were offering these lame, blind, crippled sacrifices, defiling the very altar of God. And notice verse 3. He said, Behold, I will rebuke your descendants. That's the first thing he says. Notice the rebuke of the descendants. Now this is, again, um, interesting. In, in 1 Samuel, you've got to turn there, I'll read it for you, but 1 Samuel 2.30 says this, Therefore, is, this is the declaration of the Lord, the God of Israel. I did say that your family and your forefather's family would walk before me forever. But now, this is the Lord's declaration. No longer. For those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disgraced. Now again, this isn't any different than, than we think about uh, when the Pharisees 400 later, the Sadducees 400 years later after Malachi show up on the scene and they're saying to Jesus Christ himself, that God, made, God come in the flesh, uh, we're of our father Abraham. He said, no, you're not. If you were of your father Abraham, you would do the deeds that, that Abraham did. Abraham was glad to see my day. Whoa, you're not even 50, dude. That's the new translation. Dude, you're not, no, you're not even 50, and yet you know Abraham? You, you, you know Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Whew. They took up stones to kill him. He's blaspheming in their mind. Not everybody who was of Israel was of Israel. Not everybody who's of the promise of the priestly line of the descendants of Aaron are necessarily receiving that promise only those who are honoring God not those who are dishonoring God right let me give you some people who were honoring God we find um, Ezra right was a priest prior in, in that time we know he was the one who who again what was he known for he was known for again return to the word of God we got to get back to the word of God he he was honorable in the sight of God. He was honoring the name of God. He was honoring the word of God. Think about it. Fast forward 400 years. We still see some of the promise being carried out to those who were honoring God. John the Baptist's dad honored God, right? We see again, there's the, the lineage, the promise continues, but, but there is a rebuke here. There is a rebuke. One of the consequences of these priests not honoring God's way, there was a rebuke. There was also the refuse. So you see the descendants, you see the dung. Notice if you would, here in the text, verse 3, Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your face, the refuse of your solemn feasts, and one will take you away with it. Wow. That's, uh, again, Pretty, pretty straightforward, is it not? Um, by the way, just for the record, it is possible on that uh, previous passage. I'm just curious in here. How many, how many of your translations read, uh, I will rebuke your seed? Okay, just a few of you. Actually, that may be the best understanding. Why do I say that? What type of culture was Israel? This is audience participation time. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an agricultural type society. Okay, part of their blessing for the Levites, right? For the priests. How did the, how did the priests have their living, right? What was part of what would happen when you would come to the temple to worship? What would you do? You give part of your, your harvest, right? Part of your fruit from, from the harvest. Well, guess what? If there's no harvest, the priests would suffer from that blessing. So, so it could be that the translation there is best read as, I will curse your seed, right? That, that in other words, there won't, you're not going to get the blessing you once have because it's not going to come into the storehouse until you get your heart right and get things in line. So that's a possibility. I did need to kind of hit that. But, but notice what he says. Also, too, the very sacrifices. Okay, you want to accept these, these uh, crippled and lame sacrifices in my name? The very poop that comes out of these animals. I'm going to put it in your face. Wow. Guys, don't take It's in the Scripture. Read it. it we just read it. I get in trouble sometimes just by looking at someone wrong. <laughs> I mean, wow. Woo. Woo. I will send a curse upon you, God says. I will, res- I will spread dung on your faces. The, refu- the, the dung of your solemn feasts. Okay, you, 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 guess what? These, these, all these animals, again, that come. By the way, during the feast time, it was a whole lot of poo going to be delivered out, right? Because it was a lot. Remember, Jewish men, you come for the festivals, right? So there was a whole heap of poo in those days. And so he's saying, I'm going to wait until those seasons. And also, you're going to be taken away with it. By the way, all that poop was taken out and was burned. Again, don't take my word for it. Let me read you some. Exodus 29.14 says this. Exodus 29.14. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Leviticus 16.27, and the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. What's God saying? He's saying, you're shaming my name. I will embarrass you in front of all. Your blessings will turn to cursing, and you'll be treated just like the dung. You're going to be taken outside the camp and burned. That may seem harsh, guys, but it's not. God's name will not be defiled. He's a holy God. And this is a serious warning to the priest and to the people. And it should serve as a serious warning to us. Oh, how we as the church need a return to an awe and reverence to the name of God, the person of God.
I sense conviction in my own heart in the moments that I've stood on this platform of a need of repentance even in my response. You see, the command that was given to the priests was one that was not to be taken lightly. Not only was the consequence going to be the rebuke of the descendants, the refuse, the dung, we also see the removal, the depart. They would depart. They, they would be carried out just like the refuse of their solemn feasts. And one will take you away with it. Notice, if you would, then, third and lastly, the covenant to the priests. Now, this gets at the heart of what we're talking about today. In the covenant here, you see the warning of God. You're going to also see the word of God. And you're also going to see the way of God here under this heading. Um, the covenant to the priests. Notice, if you would, verse 4. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue. Now hold up. What, what covenant? What covenant? I mean, we know about the Abrahamic covenant. We know about the Davidic covenant, right? Maybe you've heard of the Sinaitic covenant, right? What, what's this Levi covenant? What's this promise made to Levi? We've kind of alluded to it, talked to it uh, about it a little bit. Again, to really fully understand this, let's go over to Exodus. Everybody take your Bibles. Let's go to Exodus because the storyline kind of begins way back here in, in uh, Exodus chapter 32. You may recall Moses has been up on the mountain, right, with God. He's coming back with the Ten Commandments. He's been gone so long that this riotous party has broken out. Even Aaron, his brother, is, is participating. They've, they've made this golden image, this calf, and here's the God that led you out, and there's this idolatrous worship going on. There's you know, just sexual immorality. There's just, it's, it's a very sinful scene that's happening. Oh, how we like sheep have all gone astray, right? And Moses comes down, he hears this, he sees this, and he confronts this, and God is going to smite them. And look what happens again here in, in Exodus 32. Look in verse 25. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them, to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered. Who gathered? The sons of Levi. They gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. You don't think God takes sin seriously, church? 
Absolutely he does. The Levites were the ones who showed this loyalty, showed this dedication to the things of God. Choose this day whom you will serve, right? In essence, that's the same question Moses is kind of putting there. Who's with me? Who's on God's side? And them Levites, Levites came over there. They were the first to respond. They had a zeal for the things of God. They, that's the reason why they were entrusted with the priestly duties. That's why their descendants would be the ones who would offer these temple sacrifices and lead and instruct the worship. This is where it began. Notice, uh, and again, there's, there's previous uh, verses that allude to this, but I, I don't want you to miss this. Go over to Numbers, Numbers, and I want you to look at Numbers 25, because this is where the heart of this message is, on the covenant of the Levites. What's, what's God saying here to the people of Israel back in the land of Malachi's day? What, what promise? What are you talking about? Let's look, if you would, in this, the warning of God, Numbers 25, 1 through 9. And let's read this text. 25, 1 through 9. I actually am going to read from the ESV. It says this. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to the Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose, left the congregation, took a spear in his hand, and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. Wow. There was a big plague in the land. What was going on? Why, were all the, why was this plague? happening because the people were whoring with the uh, foreign gods the women of, of the neighboring community if you will they were idolatrous in their worship they were taking on again isn't this what got solomon in trouble isn't this and he was a great man after god's heart in a sense and yet here he he, he was he got himself in trouble because of the foreign women's because what does it do? It leads them astray. And this is what's happening at the Baal of Peor. The people were taking up relations, leaving their wives, and going after 
other women, which was causing them to depart from the true and living God. And so Moses says, okay, so we're going we're gonna to take care of this. Here's what's going to happen. He gives clear instructions. You've got to go and hang all the leaders of these people. We're going to set the tempo. We're going to set the pace, right? And then what ends up happening? Here comes some Joe cat walking through with his little mama and walks right past all of them and goes right into his tent. Uh-uh, that ain't happening, said Phineas. It's not Phineas from Fur. He grabs that, he grabs that uh, spear, comes into the house. I don't have to tell you what's happening. <laughs> wow. Aren't you glad you don't live in the Old Testament? Wow. I'm going to go here in the context. Go back to, if you're there, Numbers 25. Let Let me finish reading some of this. Verse 10, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them. What? Yes. So that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Wow. That's our God. Where's the zeal for his name today? Oh no, please don't go out of here and spear anybody. I'm not saying that. This is where the covenant came from. This is where God makes the promise. Because he knew the heart of Phineas. He knew that he was just as disgusted in his heart with what was happening in the name of God. That it led to that. This is why in the New Testament church, church discipline is so important. A little leaven will leaven the whole lump. These examples are given to us in the Old Testament because if, if a little sin's allowed, if just any old thing will do, those types of attitudes, what begins to happen, guys, is it begins to encroach. It begins to make its way into the camp. And when it gets into the camp, it begins to infect and taint everyone. There are very few churches today that actually practice church discipline. God's name is to be honored, is to be hallowed. There's to be a reverential fear. There's to be an awe. Sin is to be disgusted and despised as much as God disgusts it and despises it. He's disgusted by it. You know and so, the warning of God we see here 
He continues this, uh, again, just give you some more history. Jeremiah 33, 19 to 22 says this. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that night and night will that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David my servant may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. And my covenant with the Levitical priests, my ministers, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David my servant and the Levitical priests who minister to me. God's going to keep his word. Yet we see here in Malachi, again, there's this pronouncement of this warning of judgment. But God's always got his remnant. I don't give too much away, but even in Malachi's warning to the people of Israel, there will be judgment, but there's always a remnant. And so what about this? How, how is it that, that this, uh, uh, this promise, that, that this Levitical priesthood forever, I, I don't know if you heard that while ago, Levitical priesthood forever. Again, Christ is our ultimate high priest. I understand that. But I believe the representatives of, of the descendants, if you will, are you and I today, the church. We are ambassadors. We are a holy nation of priesthood. We are royal priests, the New Testament tells us in 1 Peter. That's fulfilled. It's, 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 and we live on eternally with Christ because of Christ. So, we see that it's through Christ we are all a royal priesthood. So what about the Word of God? Verses 5 and 6, uh, back into our text of, of Malachi. Verses 5 and 6. And notice, if you would, what it says here. He says, My covenant was with him, Levi, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. That's what the priests should have been doing. They weren't doing that. But notice what the Word of God brings here. It brings life and peace, right? It brings fear and awe. And it doesn't just bring the talk, it brings the walk. That's what you find here in this text. And what's the result of that, church? What's the result for us today? You want an application today? The Word of God. What will it do in my life and your life? The Word of God will bring you life. It'll bring you peace. The, the fear of God is what? Beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The more that I begin to look to the Word of God, I will find life in the Word of God. I will find peace in the Word of God. As I read the Scriptures, it will develop within my heart a reverential fear of God, an awe of God, a wonder and amazement of this glorious God who loves me and demonstrated His love for me. And while I'm still in my sin, Christ died for me, and He desires to have a relationship with you and I, to, to live with Him eternally in a place that's prepared like no eye or imagination could ever fathom? 
And then that begins to produce a difference. I had a devotion this week in, in, uh, uh, out at the um, basketball games, and um, the Lord really laid on my heart, I needed to do a message about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because I'm telling you, I ain't heard that much language since I was on a boat some of those games. I'm just saying. It's because it's a church league. Don't let it fool you. And so I delivered this message. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When God got a hold of my heart, it changed how I talked. Now, it didn't come easy. Guys, I had 25 years of putting together syllables and sentences and words like you couldn't imagine. And I was pretty articulate with some of those words. You guys know the story. I've used it many times. My last curse word that I ever said. I may say one. Anyway, no. <laughs> I hope I don't. I slammed on my brakes. Big gulp hits the steering column and splashes all over my new shirt. And I let it fly. And the old lady in the car next to me, I looked at her as I'm cleaning up. And I look at her and she goes, she read lips. Now, guys, cussing don't send you to hell. Okay? But I know this. I don't want to talk the way I used to talk. And the only thing that changed my tongue was the change in my heart. But guess what? James reminds me that the tongue can't be tamed. So I'm still going to struggle, guys. I'm still going to struggle with what comes out of this mouth, right? But I recognize that the Word of God, if I hide it in my heart, it helps me not to be so, thank you, my brother, quick to speak, right? Can I just tell you, he's still working on it. I ain't arrived yet. I got one part cleaned up. There's a lot more still to be cleaned, right? So, so again, but where am I going to find my help? The Word of God. And then it helps my walk. We got a lot of babies in the house and in, in, the, in the back. New babies. By the way, good to see you, Matt. Yeah, good stuff. New babies. Babies don't come out of the womb taking on a 5K or a marathon. They can't even sit up yet. Give them some time. As they grow, next thing you know what, they're sitting up. Next thing you know what, they're trying to push up. Next thing you know what, they're crawling. Right? Then it's really on. Wait till they start to walk. Because what happens right after they walk? They run. <laughs> You've been chasing after them ever since, right? Guys, we're no different. But there should be a move. There should be a crawl there should be a standing there should be a walking there should be a running eventually there's progression and yes we're going to fall along the way don't be that encouraging brother bless god son hate to see you down let me help you talk and walk word of god's going to help us Leviticus, oh, by the way, let me just say this because I need to wrap this up. We'll, we'll finish out the, the oh, no, mm, maybe. 
Yeah, probably not. All right. The word of God was clearly being disobeyed and neglected. Back to the context of Malachi. It's clearly being neglected. It's, just, it's not even being neglected. It's just flat out disobeyed. How do I know this? Because I read the scriptures. Read it with me. Let, listen to this passage. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. Notice Leviticus 22, 18 to 22. Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of the house of Israel or of the sojourners in Israel present a burnt offering as his offering for any of their vows or free will offerings that they offer to the Lord, if it is to be accepted for you, it shall be a male without blemish of the bulls or the sheep or the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish. For it will not be acceptable for you. And when someone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a vow or a free will offering from the herd or from the flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. Right? It must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. What were the priests doing? They knew this. And they were clearly disobeying it. And that's why I say, you want to know what's happening in America today? There are people filling the pulpits today around America that are clearly disobeying the Word of God and telling you, you can be saved by repeating a prayer. You can be saved by getting in the tank and getting baptized and all of a sudden you magically receive a Holy Ghost because you got in the water. There are false gospels being peddled every day and that's not what the Word of God teaches. They're in direct violation of the Word of God. Church, the Word of God is authoritative. And we need to be very fearful of a God who, if we try to pervert the truth that He's revealed to us as some other way, all that ought to scare us to death. God's words are final authority. You cannot willingly and actively disobey God and expect to not suffer the consequences. Lord, help us to understand the authority invested in the truth He's given us. Because His name's on the line. It's about Him. It's about His glory and He will not share it with any other. Lord, help us to have a heart that hears it, heeds it, and hopes in it. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the truth of your word has hopefully been shared in such a way uh, that we'll receive it, we'll understand it, 
will recognize, Lord, that your desire for us is to be transformed by it. Recognizing, Lord, in the context in which we're in in Malachi, that it is about the truth of that um, sacrifice that would ultimately come, the sacrifice of Christ, and, and how these men who had been entrusted to, as we'll learn next week, they were entrusted with the way of God. They were intentionally, for whatever reason, um, changing it. it. It appears it's the fear of man. They're, they're more concerned of what their neighbors thought or what their friends thought or what their peers thought and culture thought or uh, what was the new popular trend of the day. And instead, they, in, in honoring your name and honoring your word, they departed from it. Lord, I pray for the pulpit of Community Baptist Church. I pray for the pastors of Community Baptist Church. That, Lord, as you've entrusted this watch care to us, for the souls of man, Lord, I pray that we will be faithful to rightly divide the word of truth. I pray that long after we're gone from this earth or from this church, Lord, that you will continue to sustain and guard, protect the ministry of this church as one that holds forth the word of life, that rightly divides the word of truth. And Lord, help us as a church family to shift our eyes from one another and to put our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith, that we might honor you by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable that we might prove what is that perfect will of God. Help us as we go from here this day to honor your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll pick up next week, Lord willing. Uh, again, some uh, in interesting stats coming your way next week. Um, be looking at the way of God, um, the priests, the parting, the punishment, the partiality. So. Hope to see you next week. Don't forget, leaders, leadership meeting, leadership meeting. If you're a department head, department head, your lunch should be up and ready. So if you're a department head, please make your way over to the gym at this time. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed day.